Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ah, it's a football Friday day. The Bucks and the Big Cup Cap Mercedes-Benz Dome to New Orleans. Week one, National Football League. Here we go. We've got lots of college football to talk about as well. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. What a great weekend. This is one of my favorite weekends when you have week one of the National Football League. It's exciting opening day on Sunday. More college football. All the state teams are involved. Hey, before we get started, I want to tell you about a special offer from our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Now, this is a fantastic offer and exciting news that's going to make your jewelry selection experience unforgettable. And this offer is good only for our listeners to Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is sending you and that special person to the Caribbean. That's right, for a five-day, four-night cruise on us with any minimum purchase of just $2,000 now. You can also choose the cruise line, that's right, and the destination to the Caribbean if you wish to explore. And this is just a great offer from Andy. He's going to offer you terrific wholesale pricing and quality that you deserve with your jewelry selection. You know that you're going to save the most money and get the very best when purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So call Andy today at 813-282-7375. And remember to let Andy know that you heard this from Rick and Steve. On Sports Day Tampa Bay, it's Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Well, Steve, we got a lot of great feedback uh, from the Gerald McCoy interview, parts one and two played this week. My thanks to Gerald, who was uh, really, you know, he's always been a good interview, but when you're able to sit down with a one-on-one like I was um, a few weeks ago, and of course this was the, the interview that spawned his quote about, you know, I've never said this before, but... It was just really good storytelling, and you get a better perspective about, you know, just where he is in his career. You know, I was talking to Gerald about opening day and things like that, and he was, you know, when you get to be nine years in, I mean, think about that in the National Football League. That's You're an old man at that point. I mean, Warren Sapp played his entire career in Tampa Bay was nine years. He went and played three or four more years with the Oakland Raiders, but his entire career, nine seasons, and that's where Gerald is at. So, um He's pretty excited about opening day and, and then also still playing for the Bucks. We got all the college football to talk about. A big SEC game. Well, not that big, actually, but Florida is hosting Kentucky. It's like Georgia, 31 Texas. straight wins or something for Florida in that series. Is that what it is? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a I, huge number. I think that I, I'm tr- I vaguely remember the last time Kentucky upset them. Vaguely. Uh, well, maybe they didn't. I remember Kentucky pushing them. Let's put it that way. I was in New York years ago for some game, and I stumbled on this Gator bar. In in New York City, there's a bar for everybody, right, including Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky and Kentucky was going to take Florida down, and I can't remember if Florida pulled it out if that was the last time. But it was it was an epic battle uh, in any any event. Um, yeah, the, November like, of '86 was the last time Kentucky defeated Florida. Uh, then that wasn't it. It was after that. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm wrong. I stand corrected. It was it was a game where Kentucky pushed them pretty hard. I remember that. But Kentucky. 
um, has always, you know, they, they kind of go in cycles where they have some good teams. And remember the Pillsbury throw boy and all that. To show you um, how long ago that was, Haley's Comet had just passed the earth. <laughs> okay. Bill Buckner had just watched soon. the World Series a month <laughs> earlier. Oh, man. 86 <laughs> Mets. Yeah. And the ball goes through his legs. Penn State. Oh, Penn Here State. comes Mookie Wilson. Yeah. Penn State that year yeah. won its last national championship under Paterno. Wow. Ronald Reagan had not said tear down this wall yet. Mr. Gorbachev. Yeah. That was when Vinny, when Penn State won, I think Vinny threw five picks in that game, the national championship. I think you're right. Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. And that was that great Miami team. Remember they came off wearing fatigues? But I digress. Yes, I know. Dan Cilio told me about that all the time. (laughs) I bet he did. (laughs) You heard that story a couple times? Uh, A handful. (laughs) They still lost. Best college football team ever, ever. Uh, Georgia Tech's at USF. That's going to be interesting. A tough matchup for uh, the Bulls there. It's going to be an interesting test for USF. I mean, you know, this is the first year without Quentin Flowers, who the last two years has been spectacular for them. Um, So now it's Charlie Strong. He's got his quarterback in there. was a transfer, uh, Blake Barnett, who was at Alabama and then, what, Arizona State, I think it was, before Mm -hmm. uh, coming to USF. So it's going to be a good time. Georgia Tech's favored by, I think, three, three and a half points, something in that range. Um, but a good test for USF. I'd love seeing uh, USF bring Power Five schools to Raymond James Stadium. I think that's you know, yeah, that's what they. Need when you're to do. not a Power Five school, you've got to play those Power Five schools, and if you can get them to come to your place occasionally, um, mm-hmm. that's a huge win, not just for your program, uh, but for the players and your fan base too. So, yeah, I think it helps with your crowd, which uh, mm-hmm. and you know the players are always jacked up about playing those guys in the Power Five conferences and Georgia Tech. You know, known for their uh, their option offense, which is a hard thing to defend because uh, you just don't see that much of it consistently in college. We see the spread option, but they actually run. Yeah, the triple option um, is triple uh, option. Yeah, Navy and that, Georgia Tech, pretty much. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So the the national champions they got always tough. South Carolina State, um, Florida State's host, hosting Sanford, so they'll probably bounce back. And then Miami is hosting Savannah State. Is Savannah really a state? I mean, um, not that it's I'm aware a city, of. Actually, yeah, I think yeah, it's kind of weird. Savannah State, the state of Savannah, will be coming to Miami, so they've got a lot of work to do there. And Mark Rick, woof, they look bad against LSU. Might be a credit to LSU, but the uh, the big story that uh, we want to talk about, the big matchup, of course, is uh, the Bucks go to New Orleans against the Saints and. Um, look, this is finally the start. regular season football because we're watching Thursday night football, and I think it's still preseason. <laughs> Right. Yeah. What the hell? These two high-powered offenses slugged their way through a 6-3 halftime with Atlanta up on a couple of field goals. Matt Bryant, by the way, the man who will not age, the curse of Matt Bryant still haunting the Buccaneers at 51 years old, makes a 52-yard field goal. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – I'll say this. Like, just watching the, the start of these games, Philadelphia's defense is really good. <laughs> and Atlanta – like if you just looked at the rosters, if you just said, "Okay, let's take a you know on paper type thing," Atlanta might have. They, I think they have the best team in the NFC South, just just on roster, and maybe one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean, man for man. Yeah, I think if you, you just know. look at rosters, I would put Atlanta and, and maybe you know the Rams would be the top yeah, two well, as far Rams as just talent. Loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's pretty close, but. You know, it's going to be another crazy division. I, I, I think I picked Atlanta to win the division. I know New Orleans is the defending champions, but rarely does anyone repeat in the NFC South. And, then, you know, Carolina, I think, is going to be really good on defense. 
Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how Cam and those guys are going to play, but uh, they'll probably bounce back a little bit too. Although all three of those teams made the playoffs last year, so it's not as if they're all coming off bad seasons because they're not. But I do like Atlanta, and uh, even though they still continue to have these red zone problems, man, they can't get Julio Jones. Julio Jones will take him down to the four yard line, and then they'll take him out of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. He just took you all the way down the field, and then you like just literally put him on the sideline. What are we doing here? Who's you know whether it's Steve Sarkeesian, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. They just they can't I get think the sometimes ball. Sometimes coaches outcoach themselves, right? Just just sometimes keep this game isn't that complicated. No, where's my best player? Throw it to him. That's what you got. I think the Bucks got away from that a little bit last year, even though they had a lot of touchdowns. You know, Brayton, mm-hmm. OJ Howard had six each. They stopped throwing the ball to Mike Evans down in the red zone because, well, he was doubled. You know what? He was doubled the other years when he caught 12. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if like you, you, got, if you throw it to your best player and you don't score, you can live with that. You can, yeah, absolutely. But when he doesn't even see the ball, like when mm-hmm. you get down there and then, and like, like Atlanta has, that's how they lost to Philly in the playoffs last year. You know, they got down there and then they, they just uh, went away from him. Uh, of course, the last pass went through his hands. He slipped. But, uh, but yeah, so. This is a uh, an epic battle of two uh, two great defenses and their offenses. Look, I'll say this: the Eagles have a good football team. Um, offensively, though, they're challenged right now. Mm-hmm. They really are challenged. You know, Zach Ertz is a good player, but you can you can bracket him, you can double him. Um, you know, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar is going to do some stuff out of the slot. Uh, the running game, you know, without Legarrette Blunt, I mean, they mm-hmm. got Jay Ajayi, and um, you know. And then uh, the little running back, who's the, who's the running back Sproles. you're watching? Darren Sproles, who's 112 years old, mm-hmm. he can still run. And and then Nick, well, and you're you know, still and, you're still playing your backup oh, quarterback. And, and you know, as you know, you've said over and over again with Ryan Fitzpatrick, no matter how many games you play that backup quarterback, you're hoping to win one. That's right. And Nick won won them all, uh, and then including a Super Bowl MVP. But I'll be honest with you, he doesn't look good in this game. And he and there were some games when he came when he started playing last year after Wentz got mm-hmm. hurt. He struggled like hell the first couple of weeks. Oh, they had to change their entire offense for the playoffs. Yeah, they had to go to the spread option or the, yeah. to the uh, the spread. No, they now, weren't Atlanta, a good posi- they were in a good position because their record was so good that those losses with Nick Foles they could afford to to take, and and yeah. you know at the end of the season, and then they were able to change their offense during the bye week and played right. a totally different offense in the playoffs. That's right, and they, and they they got it done, but. You know, Foles, in addition to not being able to throw the ball down the field, he should have been picked off a couple times. Yeah. Um, Just on Atlanta, the opening drive of the third quarter here several times. Yeah, it's Atlanta, by the way, their safety, Neal, has gotten hurt twice now, and um, it, does not, it doesn't look great. But uh, he's one of their best players, uh, and, you know, they can ill afford to use, lose him. That's the thing about as soon as the regular season starts, you'll start to see catastrophic <laughs> injuries because – those guys are going full speed, and it's just a little it's a little rougher. But we'll uh, we'll talk more about uh, you know about Atlanta, Philadelphia as they as they proceed as we're doing this podcast. But again, the Bucks going to New Orleans. If you look at these three games and you say, "All right, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, here's what you got to do." Um, I personally think, Steve, that this game, the opener at New Orleans, is the toughest of the three. Uh, we talked about folds. We talked about them missing some pieces on offense over there and of course the Bucks took two of their pieces on defense as well even though I think they're the Eagles defense is very very good uh and then you got Pittsburgh which you know without Le'Veon Bell right now they're going to have mm-hmm. to make some adjustments and you know you don't you know Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh I mean sometimes Ben Ben will throw you a few he's mm-hmm. done it in Pittsburgh before Mike Glennon 
yep. went up there and beat them when they were very good. So the reason I think this is the the toughest one um, is that it, it's hard. You know, it's hard to win on the road. First of all, first and foremost, mm-hmm. in the NFL, it's difficult. And I think that um, you know, I I think New Orleans is a fairly complete team. Now they don't have Mark Ingram, uh, but Drew Brees is a guy. You know, when you think about okay, what did the Bucks do in the off season? They went and they they got a bunch of defensive linemen. They, they you know they drafted Via Vea, who's not playing. Traded for Jason Pierre-Paul. We mentioned Bo Allen, Benny Curry, to go with Gerald McCoy. Um, and so that that would seem to be the biggest upgrade on defense, right? Well, guess what? Drew Brees doesn't get sacked. He just doesn't. And the Bucks even, you know, it's even more rare that he they would sack him. I mean, I think Gerald McCoy's had two and a half sacks on Drew Brees since 2014. Um, he was one of the least sacked yards last year. I think he was tied for 22nd or something like that in the NFL. He gets the ball out of his hands, and more often now than earlier in his career when he would take more shots down the field and hang in the pocket, um, he's throwing the ball out in the flat to Alvin Kamara and those guys. So really hard. So that's going to negate sort of what you've done in the offseason. You know, in the offseason you went all in and decided to uh, to try to upgrade the, the league's worst pass rush. But in this game, not next week, not the week after, where Ben and Folds will sit back there and hold it, Drew Brees is not going to give you much of a chance to sack him. He's just not. And so now you're talking about, okay, well, what does that do on the other end? Well, the coverage, if they're going to play off, he's going to pick you apart. So I'm still waiting to see if Mike Smith moves those guys up a little tighter, especially when they spread the field out. And you put Carlton Davis in the game. you got Vernon Hargraves in the slot. Um, you know, they're going to have to do something. But the big, the biggest story is, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick and – to give you an idea, this is a pretty good stat um, that uh, some folks at the Tampa Bay Times looked up, and um, and it's true. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has started 119 games in this league. That's what makes him sort of valuable, so valuable, you know, at, at this stage of his career is his experience. I mean, on the other hand, Ryan Griffin's never even taken a snap, so he's your number two. So a big difference there in terms of who's more prepared to play. Um, but the thing is, is that for all those starts in the NFL – Ryan Fitzpatrick has won 22 road games. 22. That's it. Okay. I'm guessing. I haven't looked this up, um, although I, the record's there somewhere. I'll probably have it in the paper on Sunday. But it's he's got like 40-something. Uh, you know, he's like 20-something and 22 and 40-something on the road. He's got like close to 60 starts, I think, or 60-something starts. So about half of his hundred and you know 119 starts. And of those wins, those 22 wins on the road, just guess. Well, I'll tell you. Well, you don't have to guess. Uh, how many of those came against a team that finished the season with a winning record? So a team that, not when they played them, but one that at the end of the season had a winning record. Uno. One out of 22. One? One. He's beaten one team on the road that finished the season with a winning record. Wow. In his career. Yeah, in his career. And now that, that included times as a starter. It's not like he's a backup coming in and doing. No, that. I mean he started 119 yeah. games. I mean he was a starter. Obviously he was a starter with the Jets for a couple. Well, but of I mean years. I, I, what I meant is not like last year where you know Winston got hurt and he played three. He started three games no. as the back. He's the backup. And, and he I mean, won. And he, he was won a starter a game on for the road. Those years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, he was, and he was. He won a game on the road last year, but it was against Miami, who mm-hmm. finished with a losing record. Right. Um. And yeah. And, and the thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe this is why he was with these teams, or maybe. Maybe you just don't know how to pick them, but 
at the end of the day, I mean, look at the teams he's played for. He's played for seven different teams, right? Okay. The Texans, right? Uh, what a catch by Julio Jones, by the way, as I watch this game live. Uh, the Texans, they're saying he juggled it. Um, he played for Buffalo, obviously, had a lot of years in Buffalo. He played for Tennessee one year, okay, when in there was going to be the backup. You know, all these places he wound up um, becoming the starter, you know, through hook or crook. I mean, he, you know, whether a, a starter got injured or something happened. You know, Cincinnati, I think he was with the Bengals for a little bit, um, you know, and – and wherever he went, I mean, they weren't they weren't good football teams. They just none of them at the time he played there. And in fact, for that matter, none of them since have really done a whole hell of a lot, you know. Um, and that's just kind of been where Ryan. And now he's with the Bucks, you know. And the Bucks, well, you know, eight last place finishes in the NFC South in the last ten years. So he goes to football teams that aren't real good to begin with. He plays okay. The Jets, you know what I mean? I mean. He, and he actually went 10-6 and six one year with the Jets and needed to win, I think, one more game, and they're in the postseason, but they couldn't do it. So, you know, but to have one win, you know, over a, a team that finished, we won't know. He could go beat New Orleans, and, you know, maybe New Orleans ends up with a 7-9 and nine record. We won't know till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But assuming that since they're division champs and, you know, if Breeze doesn't get hurt and – you know, Sean Payton is Sean Payton, and they have a pretty good defense, and, they've, you know, they've had the same system now for going on three years. You figure that New Orleans is going to be a winning football team. Um, so that's how big, you know, it, it really is. Now, if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, I, I, you know, I asked him this um, just the other day about how there's this perception that, you know, Fitzpatrick has to save the season. Like, he essentially has to be a savior. Um, you know, no matter what happens, you know, after is, is not going to matter if you go in three, you have to at least win one, hopefully two. And if you win three, everyone's going to say they're going to the Super Bowl. Maybe he gets a fourth start, but this is, this is sort of going to set the tone one way or the other. Um, so I asked Fitzpatrick if he felt the pressure to sort of be the savior of the Buck season in these first three weeks. Every time I go out there, I try to win. So I don't know that. You know, I don't know that that changes anything at all. Uh, you know, I, it's a cool thing as a quarterback to be the opening day starter. I mean, it's a neat feeling being out there and, uh, you know, with just with the everybody with the excitement and the butterflies and the crowd into it. And uh, so that, that's a cool thing for me that I'll be looking forward to. Now, the thing about Fitz is, is that, you know, the, the Bucks had choices. You know, back Going back as far as March when – you know, Fitz made it clear that he wanted to continue playing because that was always something, too. He could have retired after one season with Tampa Bay. But he enjoyed his year. He enjoyed being around Jameis. He likes football, all that. Um, and so he decided he wanted to play. And when the Bucks signed him back in March, it wasn't as if, like, this whole suspension thing was a surprise to them. They did it with the idea that this, this was a real likelihood, that they needed somebody who was going to have to start the season uh, and, and maybe for many, many, maybe multiple games. I mean, to be honest with you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, you, you could have easily suspected that, you know, Jameis Winston would end up with six games or, or five games or four games. He ended up with three, um, but it was going to be, you know, it could have been a more long-term situation, but it, at minimum, pretty good idea that, that Winston could be in trouble here. And yet Fitzpatrick is the guy they wanted. Jason Light uh, targeted him. He wanted him back. He felt confident. They figured second year in the system, good for the young quarterback, all those things. Uh, and, and, you know, here's what, Coach Dirk Cutter had to say about that whole decision to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Both. I mean, J- Jason was uh, J- Jason always has an eye on what's ahead and uh, does a good job of uh, thinking about what situations could possibly come up. And then, uh, so the fact that that we had a possibility of of uh, Jameis being suspended and then, and then uh, Fitz coming back, and then we like we said sign Grip back even before before we knew Fitz was coming back. So we talked about what a big challenge it's going to be in New Orleans uh, because their offense is very, very good. They have a pressure defense. You can't really fall that far behind. The building's going to be loud. All those things um, you know, seem like it's stacked against any team, even if uh, Jameis Winston was there. In fact, Jameis was there a year ago. He ended up getting hurt you know, in that game. Um, but it, the game was out of hand by the time Fitzpatrick got into it. So – uh, it's a tough place to play. It's a really tough place. You can imagine on opening day, it's going to be, you know, absolutely nuts. So, um, you know, not not the greatest conditions. And yet, and yet, if you talk to offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and, he, and you hear him talk about the kind of offseason they had, the way they played in the preseason, the way the quarterbacks protected the ball, the number of weapons they have on offense – Pretty astounding because I asked Todd Munkin, is 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 this mountain, you know, a, a little too big to expect Fitzpatrick to pull this off? Oh, I don't think it's very big at all. I really don't. We went two and one with Fitz last year as our quarterback. It's a team game. We got to play well around him. I thought we played well around him last year. I think we've played well around him in the preseason. So I, I don't see that at all as an issue. Okay, so Steve, it's going to come down to this. They're going to have to play well around Ryan Fitzpatrick, and what that means to me is they got to stay on schedule. You don't want that pressure defense to uh, to be coming after you all the time, uh, which means you're going to have to run the ball. And I'll be honest with you, Donovan Smith has practiced, uh, he's and he's got 48 consecutive starts, and he will start the game on Sunday. I'm pretty pretty sure as as we sit here. Um, but they've got two defensive ends in Alex Okafer and then on the other side, Cameron Jordan, who just gives DeMar Dotson fits. He just does. He's just, if you ask DeMar who's the hardest guy to block for him, he's going to tell you Cameron Jordan. So you can have the Jordan rules, and you can put a tight end wherever Jordan decides to go because sometimes they'll flip him. Um, but even then, you know, it, it, this, is, this is some tough bookend guys. And Smith, even if he plays, I'm not sure how well he can play. You know, like I don't know – how much that knee will bother him. So they've got to find a way for that offensive line to hold up in this in, in and plus you have a dome where you can't communicate. Well to me, the offensive line is the biggest key to this game. Um you're on the road, you've got your backup quarterback in who you know the deep ball is not a, a, a great option for him at this point in his career. Not he just doesn't strength, have the arm right. strength for it. 
So right, right. you're on the road. You've got a lot of talent around you, but if they can't block for Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. and the running game, I mean, you know, Peyton Barber is a solid running back. Ronald Jones did mm-hmm. not impress in the preseason, although I think mm-hmm. he's still got a great potential in all this. But mm-hmm. you've got to be able to run the ball, and then off that, the play action is going to be important. But if you can't run the ball, that's out the window anyway. In this offensive line, of all everything they did in the offseason, you know, the defensive line, they added a ton of talent. They drafted several in, in the secondary. Um, they, they did get signed Ryan Jensen, but I still think the offensive line is probably one of the weakest units on this team. Um, there's some- I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I wouldn't. And, and, and look, I like Ryan Jensen. I like Marpet at guard. You know, um, he only played one year at center. I think it would have been fine there. But we, we haven't seen Kalen Bedenock much this mm-hmm. preseason. DeMar Dotson didn't play in the first game. And fact is, these five guys have not really been on the field together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's one it's one of those positions, especially I think Ali and Donovan will work okay together. But, you know, the new center is still new to this offense. He's still new to the quarterbacks. There's going to be communication situations that arise. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. You know, you'd like to think that it was as strong as your defensive line, which they went out and, and you know, added some resources to. But um, I don't know if it's a great offensive line. And I agree with you with Barber. I think Barber is going to be a, a productive back. He's a guy that finishes runs. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, there's, if there's five yards there, he's going to get you five yards. If there's four, he'll get you four. He's not going to, you know, be doing dances or anything like that. He's a, he's a straight-ahead straight runner, between-the-tackles guy, a little shiftier and – a little faster than most people think, um, but but he's not he's not going to strike fear of God. And you know there are some backs in this league, and that's what they're hoping Ronald Jones becomes. But there's some backs in this league that when they touch the ball, mm-hmm. you hold your breath because if they get in the second level and make somebody miss, they could go to the house. And so I don't I don't really think about Barber in those terms. I think about him as a as a functional back, uh, you know, um, somebody that's improved, somebody that's going to be okay as the starter. Um, but they're going to need more than that. And, and again, I just – I think that, you know, knowing New Orleans, if they're able to get on top of the Bucks at all uh, and then really bring the pressure on third down, they're going to load up on the run. I mean, they're not – they're not – you know, number 14 is going to have to beat them. And he's going to have to – I think. And he's going to have to beat them throwing the ball over their heads. I, I just – I think they're going to challenge him to do that. Now, there's enough targets out there. You know, with O.J. Howard and Deshaun and Godwin and Mike and, you know, Ronald Jones or whoever the back is, that if Fitz can get it out of his hands and, and get, get it to guys that, that can then make plays, he'll be okay. Um, I, I just think it's going to be really tough. And, again, what a, what a tough place to start, you know, with the, you know, when the communication isn't at its best, when, you know, you have, you know, a quarterback in Fitzpatrick who's played but not played a ton of real games with these guys. Um, you know, so you, you've got all that going against you. I hate to be doom and gloom here. I didn't pick the Bucks to win. If they do pull this off, though, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think this would be a huge boon for them that could that could help get them over the hump. I mean, because I would give them a decent chance to win one of the next two games, and maybe, maybe not. You know, God forbid, both. I mean, you know, it's not out of the question. Uh, and can you imagine what this town would be if Ryan Fitzpatrick? He'd be starting in Chicago, by the way, if he goes three and zero. But uh, but I don't think there's any question. But you know, if, if this is the toughest one, I I know their division rivals. I know they know each other very well. And the other thing, in talking to Dirk Cutter, um, 
there's something about opening week. Now, you know, Sean Payton has been there forever, and their defensive coordinator has been there as the Eagles run the Philly special one more time, uh, just for old time's sakes. I'll give you a play-by-play. You don't get this on a podcast much, a recap of the of the game the night before. I I just think it's it's just a tough deal. Even though even though it's you know you know these teams, the first game there's always a wrinkle. You know, there's always something that that each team is going to come out with. And and talking to Dirk Cutter, he goes, you know, you're always a little unsure that first week because he goes, when we study teams, we study them three to five weeks in. So you really don't know the personnel. You don't know how they're using them. You don't know what exact schemes and wrinkles they've added because every year is different. You know, I mean, look at what the Bucks have on defense that they didn't have last year. Would it surprise, you know, the Saints if the Bucks, who had been a zone team primarily, came out and Carlton Davis and Vernon Hargraves are man up on guys? You know, that's what you could see. So until you actually see these teams, you don't know. And uh, I think uh, the other thing that happens early in the season is special teams breakdowns. What you have are a bunch of rookies playing special teams on both sides. because, And these are guys that in college were stars. So they didn't play a lot of teams when they were in college for the most part. And then all of a sudden they're having to go down there and make plays. You will see more returns, more kickoff returns, more punt returns, more errors on special teams in the first two or three weeks and you'll see the whole season. That's the way it is. That's my experience. That's Dirk Cutter talked about that. that that's just the way it goes. So um, – yeah, I that's that's sort of how I see things going in New Orleans, Steve. But I mean, that's why they play the games. I mean, it, you know, every year is different. I mean, look at last season. I think there were four new playoff teams that had not made it the year before. Four or five. Well, usually, there's four or five every year in the NFL out of yeah, twelve. So right. So if you consider that three of the four in the NFC South made the playoffs, then there's a pretty good chance two of those probably won't. You know what I mean? Um, certainly one of them won't, but I don't know. I, I hate, to, I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I, I just, I, I just think that the Bucks are, are really going to have the toughest time of the three games probably with New Orleans. The other thing is talk to Sean Payton a little bit this week. And, uh, there's some bad blood between these two teams. Don't, mm-hmm. don't let anything he says fool you. I mean, we know what happened in New Orleans, the whole, uh, deal with Marshawn Lattimore and Jameis Winston on the sideline and then Mike Evans, you know, blindsiding him and then getting suspended for a game as a result of it. And then remember the awkward, long handshake between Peyton and Dirk Cutter and Cutter's trying to wish him luck in the playoffs and Peyton's pounding on Dirk's chest. And I asked Peyton about that and he was like, ah, oh, you know, we're good friends. We're, you know what, that was nothing. Except that, you know, this is the same Sean Peyton who does the choke sign to Devonta Freeman in week 14. And the same Sean Payton, who after he did that with Dirk Cutter, thought he was going to win the game in Minnesota and did the, did the skull chant <laughs> with the Vikings fans. <laughs> and, and you know, it's just funny to me because, like, he just loses it. And, and in talking to Drew Brees, Brees is like, yeah, yeah, he dials it up a little higher on game days. You know, he's just real competitive. Um but that's that's who he is. But I think there's I think there's bad blood here. I think you're going to see some real hand fighting between Lynch uh, and uh, you know Mike Evans, uh, Mar- or not Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore, yep. and Mike Evans, uh, and it's going to be a great battle. I mean, and I'll say this: Todd Munkin and them have said, look, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball to Mike Evans. We don't care that Lattimore's over there. He's going to see the ball and he's going to have to make plays on it. So. 
They're not going to back away from their best receiver just because he's a really good cover corner and the rookie of the year. Anyway, uh, who do you got in this one, Steve? Oh, I think the Saints are going to win this game. I think, uh, you know, as you said at the beginning of this, of the three games that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start, presumably, this was the hardest one to win, and, and mostly so. because it's on the road, too. It's on the road, um, yeah. And, and you know, as we know, with Philadelphia's got a backup quarterback in. Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. missing their starting running back. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. Saints – now, the Saints last year started rough, if you remember. They, they were – what, they lost they their lost. first two. Yeah. Two games last year. Um, and then, you and know, they're traditionally slow starters. Mm-hmm. You know, they traditionally are. they don't get off to great start. Although their rec- their their schedule this year, I don't think they play a team that made the playoffs for five weeks. Well, that's you know, an advantage. So to happens, them. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I think being on the road, I think I think the Saints are going to win this game. I, you know, I think it's going to be a good test for Mike Smith's defense, and it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see with all the new pieces exactly how they play it, uh, particularly yep. how they cover. That's um, what I'm you know, looking every, for. Everyone's yeah. been asking them to move up the cornerbacks in, in more press mm-hmm. coverage as far as fans right. and stuff when you see reaction and, and the feedback we oh, get, yeah. too. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Mike Smith does that with the defense with all the new pieces he's got now this year. Um, yeah. So I think you know I think how, how they cover, but to me the offensive line is going to be – if they can block – then Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. can do some things on the offensive side. I agree. Yeah, look, he, he's a very capable mm-hmm. quarterback. We saw it in the preseason. It was very vanilla, so I don't put much stock in the preseason. But, you know, he does not waste much time getting the ball out. He knows where he's going to go with the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got good eye control. He, you know, he does all the things right fundamentally. And he's got um, weapons. You know, the, I mean, there are weapons on he, this offense. Yeah, tons of them. And, and that's why I talked to him about it. It was like, you know, he's played with some good offenses and some good players before. He's like, you know what, it's all – it's potential, and he goes. You know what? Right now, if, if he goes, if we if we play well and we win, then we'll know. He says, but we have talent. He goes, the talent is there. It's just whether or not you know we we can win games with it. And you know, right now, it doesn't matter how talented you think you are, uh, unless you can come out on top of the scoreboard. And that's, but but let's not kid ourselves. I mean, you got a lot of people to throw balls to. Uh, they can all make plays. They haven't turned the ball over in the preseason. In fact, Dirk said that except for week two of training camp, they had a bad week uh, you know, protecting the ball, that for the most part, even in practice, they didn't turn the ball over uh, after week two. So, you know, a lot of things that um, that they're excited about and confident about. And well, that's good for no your one, offense, but does that mean your defense isn't very good at creating turnovers? Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, with, with your quarterback, using your backup quarterback, you're hoping for some turnovers. Well, and the other thing about you know this whole practice business, right? I mean, it, of course, they didn't. The t- top three quarterbacks didn't have a turnover in the preseason, but in practice and all that stuff, you can't hit the quarterback. So it's it's mm-hmm. fool's gold. I mean, you're not, you know, if I can stand back there and pat the ball, and even if you go by and touch me on uh, on the hip, and I'm down, I know I'm not going to get blasted, you know. And so turnovers are usually the result of pressure, and there's only so much pressure you can put on in training camp when you can't hit the damn quarterback. So. I don't put a lot of a ton of stock in that. I mean, maybe they didn't throw it to the other guys, which is good, um, and and the receivers and everybody held on to the ball. But um, we'll see. I mean, the the ball takes funny bounces. They're going to need. I think they're going to need about three turnovers somehow in this game, um, or a big special really, teams really play. You know, maybe a kickoff return or a punt yeah. return or something yeah. like that. Yeah, something dynamic like that. You know, or or fits hits. You know, hits a couple down the field, you know, plays or, you know, certainly more than one. But they're going to need – they're going to have to have some balances and, 
have some things go their way. But at least we got football that counts. At least we got, uh, you know, the start of the regular season, which is always fun. And, uh, of course, you know, we'll be doing this throughout the year, talking about the Bucks and, and, and bringing you as much uh, insight as we can here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. So I'm still ready for college football. I got, I got my little taste of it last week. I was kind of let down, though, Steve, you know, because, um, you know, Florida State didn't show up. Um, you know, Miami didn't show up. You know, Florida did what Florida needed to do. They probably had the best opener. USF played Elon. Hard to get excited about them. Um, but this week, some pretty good games. I mean, at least I know Florida never loses to Kentucky, but at least they're an SEC school. Yeah, well, yeah, you're playing a conference game now. And, and Jimbo Fisher, everyone's favorite former Florida State coach, uh, he gets Clemson. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he looked at the schedule when he took that job. I thought he was trying to get away from Clemson. I know. <laughs> yeah, those are bad. That's a bad opener there for sure. Um, tough couple of games for him. And then you know Georgia Tech USF we mentioned. That's um, going to be a fun game at Raymond James Stadium. Noon start on Saturday. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to watch that one from from the Big Easy because I get in there early and I'll be uh, I'll be having beignets somewhere watching uh, USF if I can get them on CBS Sports or wherever they're at. Uh, and then, you know, Florida State's going to bounce back. Of course, Stanford and Miami has a what I call a preseason game against Savannah State. So they'll get they'll get rolling. They'll tune somebody and feel good about themselves for a week. Um, but it's still not a great, you know, state slate of games. Um, but I think Florida starts 2-0. And, and it would, would be a nice win for USF if they're able to get it. And hopefully – uh, they'll get some people out to see Georgia Tech too because it's a big name, you know, big name power Power Five conference team. So uh, that would be cool as well. So myself and Tom Jones will be in New Orleans and we'll recap the Bucks Saints for you on Monday. And so we'll have that. The Rays are starting a series with the Baltimore Orioles. They stand eight games right now uh, behind uh, the Oakland A's for the second wild card. So uh, that one is uh, is still in play, of course. And, hey, make sure you go see my friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They have a uh, great offer for you, $2,000 you spend, uh, any minimum purchase, and you get, in addition to just great jewelry and a great price, a five-day, four-night cruise for two to your destination. You pick the cruise line. You pick the destination to the Caribbean. It's all on us. Tell them that Rick and Steve sent you from Sports Day Tampa Bay. We love for you guys to interact with us. We're here Monday through Friday. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And, hey, it would really help us if you guys would rate and review this podcast as well. And do that anywhere you get them, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play or anywhere else you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button so the podcast download automatically every day to your mobile device. And then hit the like button, or better yet, leave a review of the podcast. And that, uh, that way it lets other people know how good their podcast is. Hopefully you think that. And uh, if you share it with a friend, that helps too. Enjoy week one of the National Football League. I'm Rick Stroud the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Ersnick, have a great weekend, everybody. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.